Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Orange Report with Mike and Matt. It's been a great summer break, but this can only mean one thing. Fall camp and football season is almost here, and I hope everybody is excited as we are to be back, and that just means football season is only 31, 32 days away. Um, Awesome. How's it going tonight, Matt? It's going great. Nice uh, intro music there. I just envisioned Sunday night at about 6. 25 right before kickoff. Yeah, most most of our long-term listeners are probably um, wondering what happened to our normal intro. Well, uh, it kind of worked out well. Um, you know, the, the software that we use to do the podcast, they've uh, upgraded their, their software and done a lot of things. And I went in, I had about, you know, because at the end of the show, we always um, close out the show with a song or two. And, um, Went into my account and started piddling with it last week, getting it all ready um, for the season. And they had done a bunch of upgrades. And I noticed um, that um, all of my audio clips that I've spent hours doing um, also were gone. So I uh, worked on getting a few of those back uploaded. and and But I couldn't find our intro. And I thought, well, you know what? This would be a good time. We're fired up. It would be a good time since it's the first show of the new season to start back up with Texas fight and get everybody fired up. So I thought that would be a good, a good switch for us, but um, it feels good to be back. Um, Great summer vacation. Um, Lots of activities, lots of fun. Uh, I do want to thank everybody who sent me lots of um, DMS the last few months, wondering when we're going to be back. And I I wasn't for sure if we were going to be back, you know, you get busy with life and, you know, this show is, is, like I tell people, it's a hobby. Um, you know, CBS Sports or ABC is not paying uh, me and Matt millions of dollars to do it. So, um, you know, we take time out of our own day, and uh, we do it uh, because it's fun to talk. And, uh, you know, the, you know, and a lot of our new listeners that don't know the story, I won't bore you with that, how this got started. I might, at the end of the show, give a, a quick synopsis and, and tell a few stories on how the Orange Report um, came about because um, – I do have a lot of people that have never listened, um, so we're glad y'all are listening tonight. And for y'all that can't listen live tonight, be sure tomorrow to check out iTunes, the TuneIn app, Stitcher. Just go on there, put in Orange Report. Uh, it'll come right up. You can Google it, and um, there's lots of outlets that, that um, have the show. So 
again, it feels good to be back. And, boy, there has been a lot of stuff happened since our last show. And, um, uh, you know, uh, like I tweeted out earlier, uh, you know, unfortunately we're going to start the show with probably Matt's least topic he ever wants to talk about, but it just won't ever go away. And it seems like it's ramped right back up, and that's a good old expansion. So uh, I guess I, that's where we're going to start tonight, Matt. We're not going to beat it too much, but uh, we are going to talk about it because we are in the Big 12 still. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, we've got to discuss it. Um, I, I think something is going to happen. We're going to talk about all the scenarios and possibilities, and then maybe we'll just give our opinions on what we think should happen. Um, so first of all, that's where I'm going to start with you is, I guess a simple yes and no for you, and you can follow up if you need explanation. Are you for or against expansion at this point? Are you ready to stand pat, or are you okay with adding teams? And I'll let you answer that however you want. Well, I'm, I, as you know, I've been against expansion, uh, but at some point it just becomes uh, pretty much a sure thing, and that's where I think we are right now. There's just been too much public comment from people in charge at various universities and whether they're in charge of the conference or in charge of the schools, that I think it's not a matter of if they're going to expand but which teams they're going to take. So now, uh, instead of fighting that battle, we just start changing our topic to uh, who they're going to be and what does that mean for the conference. Well, and, and, and like everything that drives the, the major sports now, as we know, it, it's all about the money. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, that's obviously what's going to drive this. And, you know, I guess the latest thing that's come out is, is you know, ESPN, Fox Sports, and those people uh, are, are, don't seem as happy now for us to expand because I think in the agreements, if the conference does grow, they have to throw in so much more money. And, and they're looking at it, okay, if you're adding, um, you know, X team and Z team who has a TV market of basically – crap, we're not going to get any more viewers. We're, we're going to be forking out 40, 50, 60, 80 million. Um, so I can see the TV networks exactly where they are, but for the individual teams already in the Big 12, they're looking at this and saying, hey, we can make a, a, uh, an invitation to, to Team A. They just want to be in the Big 12 uh, knowing, well, you know, the, you'll, you're gonna, they're going to get $25 million a year. We can just tell them they're going to get six for four years, or we can all chop up the 14. You do that over three or four teams, that's a pretty good chunk of change to everybody else. So uh, I, I think that's exactly why it's happening. It, it's money-driven. Um, I mean, it, it's just, you know, that's exactly what it is, and, 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 and that's it. I mean, it's a money grab by the other teams. You know, I think individually, Texas, uh, you know, with the U of H talk, wants to, um, you know, build the campus there. Uh, but I think Texas has, has positioned themselves very well. They've gone out publicly. And then now it's some other teams like OU, Oklahoma State, even Texas Tech, some of the others don't allow Houston in. Uh, they can say, hey, we publicly supported you. Don't blame us. Um, so, uh, you know, Texas is playing the nice guy, but probably uh, doing a lot of finagling uh, behind the scenes privately. Um, you know, let's go through some teams here. Uh, there's about 12 or 13 been, list, been listed. I mean, we've heard everybody from, from East Carolina to, to whoever. I mean, but, you know, two lanes. But who is truly viable? You know, I mean, I guess you've got to start with BYU, um, UConn, Cincy, Memphis, uh, you know, Central Florida, 
you know, who, who else do you think? East Carolina, possibly. Uh, I don't think they're going any more than four. I think they're probably going to add two in the next two weeks and then probably two uh, the following year. Uh, the Houston Cougars, um, I really think Houston is, is really pushing – Got a lot of support, but I just don't know if they're going to get enough support from, uh, like I said, the other the other schools. Um, but yeah, I think I think in the next two or three weeks before the season starts, we're going to have at least two teams uh, get formal invitations and acceptance um, in, into the Big Twelve. I mean, you know, they may throw four out, but I think we're going to get at least two at this point. And and if I had to throw a dart at it right now, I think the first two, um, I, I'm I'm probably my thoughts. I'm probably going to go for for some weird reason. I, I'm feeling UConn, and I'm feeling um, BYU. If they can work out the, the the Sunday stuff, and maybe BYU football only. Uh, but I, if we're going to do it, UConn I know has not been just a a, a great football power. Uh, they've got some potential, but you do get up there in, in the Northeast. You're not that far from New York City. It'd be a good trip. Uh, West Virginia is right down the road there. Uh, but, I mean, obviously, UConn basketball, women's in the Big 12. Uh, I know you're not a big women's basketball fan, but, I mean, my goodness, that makes the Big 12 incredible with Baylor, Texas on the rise, um, and, uh, women's basketball, and then UConn men's basketball. So, uh, I'm actually, if we're going to do it, I, I, I kind of like UConn, and I like and I like BYU. That's probably my favorite two of the bunch. Um, do you have any preferences? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think you make a good argument for UConn. I mean, I know we're not, you know, it's not about geography anymore. So, you know, I, yeah. you hear people say stuff like South Florida and UConn aren't, you know, regional. But this is not a regional decision they're making. This is about, you know, like you said, TV markets and getting ratings. And, and I think you do have to be careful of looking at programs, not just like football. You know, I think, like, for example, I was worried about TCU – uh, at first, just because they were up-and-coming football power, I guess, but I was worried about sustaining it. But it's actually worked for them very well, uh, and I think that may be why they're encouraged to look at, you know, Cincinnati's or Tulane's of the world just because I think TCU's definitely benefited from uh, uptick in recruiting, um, and you've seen it in their other sports as well, baseball. And I think basketball eventually, I think, is going to start to improve as well, although it's been a little slower. Uh you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it just, and I really don't have any way to, to to defend this or support it. But it feels like to me, like Cincinnati is one that's, uh, you know, on the radar. I think it being, it's not a huge market, but it is, you know, big city. It's in Big Ten country. I think that's one to watch out for. Decent basketball program, uh, decent football program. Don't know anything about their other sports, but I think that's probably one. Uh, <laughs> Purely selfishly, I'd love to have Tulane in the conference because a road trip to New Orleans every other year would be uh, pretty damn nice. But I don't know that putting another uh, smaller private school and you've already got TCU and Baylor in there, whether that's something that the conference can be really excited about. Yeah, if you're looking at it for economics, yeah, for, for fans and road trip purposes, yeah, Tulane, Tulane is obviously there. Uh, I think Memphis is, is, is a decent yeah. trip every other year, um, obviously with the Bill Street experience. Memphis, um, Tunica right there. Um, 
Um, but, yeah, I don't know what, what all they bring. Uh, but, yeah, I think Cincy's right there. I, I mean, I think if it goes to four, um, which it seems real likely, uh, I think Cincy, UConn, uh, I mean, I hate to use the word lots, but they, they appear to be lots. BYU, I think, is right there. And then I think when it's all said and done, uh, I think for I think they want to get into Florida. So I could see one of the, 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 the Florida schools getting in there too. So um, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, another name that got thrown out in an article I read, uh, yes, I guess today, which was really odd to me, was uh, Naval Academy. Somebody wrote that one, and I thought, that just feels like you are building the uh, a jumbo version of the American Conference or the AAC or whatever they call it. I don't know about yeah. that one, but it feels like now we're at the point where, like I said before, it's going to happen, and that's why you see these articles are, you know, people are just throwing out every possible name. Just basically everyone that doesn't have a dance partner, they're throwing out there as a possibility. So that just makes me think that it's happening. It's just a matter of which teams get in. Yeah, and then, um, you know, I, I, like you said, we heard the Boise State. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what that brings um, for anybody, um, you know, but I, I can see why, you know, three, four, five, six of these teams are really making a push because um, I, I think the writing's on the wall. They feel if they don't they don't get in soon, they're going to be left out and become, you know, if everybody, you know, just to use the, the verbiage, you know, it's basically one big tier one conference. If you're not in the tier one before, you're probably not getting in, uh, and so you don't want to be in a tier two uh, a tier two conference. And that's that may be where you're regulated to. If you're already in, they may not kick you out. Because I still think uh, down the road, when this you know grant of rights is up for the Big Twelve, which we're going to talk about, and obviously SEC and some of the other you know conferences, I, I still think there's going to be a massive. Uh, Shake up and what that's going to look like, and that'll kind of lead us into the second part of this, so we don't beat it to death and move on. Uh, you know, let's say we let in four teams, you know, five teams, six teams, or whatever. Uh, what, what? And, and you may have, we have a, may have a different opinion. Let's just say, you know, in the next two years, it is. Let's just say it's Cincy, UConn, uh, the Florida, one of the Florida schools. And, and, and BYU or Memphis or Tulane, it doesn't matter. Any of those four, five, or six, you know, four of them, um, you may have a different opinion after what it looks like. But I think as if it went today, I think I think the, the mindset of most Texas fans and even probably a big part of the decision makers is that us and OU will probably bolt in 2019 or 2020 or 20, whatever the grant of rights is up. Um, but again, what what if it shakes out and let's say two of those teams turn out, you know, very good and 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 it turns out to be a lot better than we thought. People's perception and things may change six or seven years from now. I mean, if Texas goes on and gets in the playoffs three or four years out of the next eight and wins a national championship, OU wins one, and maybe somebody like a TCU slips into the playoffs and, or something or somebody else. I think the whole I think winning changes the perception. I think right now. For most Texas fans that I've kind of polled and talked to, Matt, they want out of a shitty conference because they're kind of getting into this mindset. If we go to the Big Ten or the PAC or, or, or the, where Florida State is or even the SEC, all of a sudden we're better. In other words, the Big 12 sucks, so we suck. Well, no, I think there's two different issues. I mean, we can have the argument that the, the play in the Big 12 
from a football standpoint, may suck. Uh, but a big portion, the one reason it sucked is the last seven, eight years we sucked. So I think if we get back to a Texas standard, uh, OU was down a couple of years. They made the playoffs. They're, hell, they've got their, they've got one of the top two or three recruiting classes this year. So Stoops is, is, is get, so he's going to have some players the next few years. So they're going to start to look like what OU should look like, which is good for the conference, even though we hate them. Good for us uh, for them to be ranked as well. So I think the perception, again, from Texas fans, and I know for me, if we're winning and getting in the playoffs, I don't really care what conference we're in if we're putting national championship trophies up in conference championships. But going seven and five, we're starting to, a lot of Texas fans are starting to sound like Aggie. Well, we sucked in the Big 12, but now we're in the SEC. So let's, we suck, so let's go change conferences to make us feel better. What, and I know that's going to piss off some Texas fans, but that's, that's how a lot of them sound now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I I agree with with your take. Uh, I mean, I going seven and five sucks no matter what conference you're in. It doesn't matter if we're yeah. in the Sun Belt or the Big Ten or the SEC. It's just not acceptable for Texas fans, and I think that's what it distinguishes us from our friends over in College Station is that they will take the moral victory of playing an allegedly tough schedule. Uh, you could even argue that I think uh, when they get seem to get Vanderbilt every single year in their schedule. But um, I think that, you know, yeah, if we're winning, I mean, to me, I think what's, what's a little infuriating is that maybe it's younger fans. I don't know, but this, this thing of, you know, whoever's been good the last two years was good for all time before and will be good for all time into the future. And, you know, you look at the big 12, just the names right now. And in the last 20 years, I mean, Basically, everybody but Kansas or Iowa State has seen some pretty significant success. It's just not all come at the same time. And meanwhile, you've seen in the SEC some, some years where they really have truly had a, uh, you know, kind of a renaissance where they've had a lot of teams that were really good all at once. And if we look at this year, if TCU and Oklahoma State step up and if Tech takes a step forward and Texas does and Oklahoma State's where they are, and this is a heck, heck of a tough conference road to go through, if you're going to win this thing and get to the playoffs. Uh, so I, I, I worry about that a little bit, that we, we judge the conference based on, well, TCU and Baylor were the two best or two of the three best teams last year, so somehow that means the conference isn't as good because the flag bearers of the conference weren't at the top. So that, just, that logic doesn't seem to make any sense to me because in the SEC, when Kentucky has a up year and finally wins six or seven games, everybody says, well, that's just proof that the SEC is an end-all, be-all of football. Um, so I, I just think just, you know, that's kind of why I've always been, let's kind of just be conservative with our decision-making and just see how this thing shakes out. But to your point at the very beginning about, uh, you know, the next time the uh, grant of rights or whatever comes up, another thing this does is if you go to 14 teams, then Texas and Oklahoma can walk out of here without screwing over their cousins in the conference because they'll still, everybody else would still have a safe landing spot because you'd have a viable conference it would suddenly fall to pretty much second tier, but at least it would be in a legit conference and everybody wouldn't scatter to the wind. So I think that's probably a long, long-term long play here. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that's exactly uh, what's in play. But like I said, depending on how it shakes out the next seven, eight, you know, nine years, uh, you know, whatever, uh, we'll, we'll ultimately decide, you know, what the decision makers do. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I think as they sit and huddle today, 
they probably think, well, that's the plan. But like I, like I said, the scenario I laid out, if we get to the playoffs and maybe win one and a couple other teams get in there and, and you know, uh, you know, you're, you're winning some stuff nationally, uh, I, I think the perception can completely do an about face. Uh, but I think that's exactly what the long-term mission, and, and like you said, the word you use to play, I, I think that's exactly what they want to do. And then, you know, the – Everybody else is left. At least, like you said, they're, they they've got somewhere to be. Um, um, you know, so you know. I think I think the uh, a worst case scenario um, for for Texas, and, 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 and as we sit today, uh, as the you know the college landscape is today, it may be different because people forget just you know up up until about two thousand. I don't know. Let's just say, I guess six, seven, right after that. I mean, um, somewhere right in there. Uh, yeah, I guess Florida started to win a couple right after we did, or whatever. Up and up until the, if you go back to the previous seven, eight, you know, nine years before that, the SEC was good, but USC was running off three or four. We ran off some. So I mean, they weren't as as dominant as they were in the in the in the late two thousands, like they've been. So um, you know, who's not to say that? Florida State wins two or three, a couple teams, an OU, a Texas wins some. So it's some other conference. The perception of the SEC may be different eight or nine years from now as it was eight or nine, ten, twelve years ago um, uh, before then. So I, I think it's reciprocal. It, it goes round and, and round and round. So, like I said, the whole perception of the whole thing may be different in eight or nine years. Um, um, but I think Texas fans just need to realize they're not Texas is not leaving the Big 12 tomorrow. They're not leaving in five years. If they do leave, it's going to be eight, nine, ten years from now. Uh, and pre- prepare yourself because BYU, Cincy, uh, Central Florida, uh, Tulane, UConn, uh, you know, some of those teams are coming into the Big 12. I mean, it's going to go back to a north and south. There's going to be a championship game because at the end of the day, the money is going to dictate that. And at the end of the day, they don't care about mine and yours, minor little um, – a uh, thousand or two thousand or hundred thousand or even two hundred thousand dollar Longhorn Foundation uh, donation. What they care about is that eighty, two hundred, three hundred, six point two billion dollar TV contract and and the money that they're going to get from that. That that's what's driving this, and that's what's always going to drive it. Um, you know, our impact, what, how we feel, has very little impact. And like you said, the articles, the the, what, what's coming out now, it, it's going to happen. And I think before the season starts, we're going to have two or three additions, uh, at least two that will be announced for the 2017 uh, season. And then probably four or five months after that, we'll see how the next season shakes out. And then there'll be some two more added in 2018. And that's where we'll be for, you know, the next six, eight, nine years. Um, so I think that's where, uh, that's where we're headed as a conference um, with the big 12. I, I think it's here. So, um, I guess we're going to know soon. The good thing is, once it happens, we won't have to talk about it anymore. Well, that's true. It'll 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 be over. We can we can definitely we can definitely d- dig a hole and, and put it put it in it. And we didn't talk about it for a while because it just got old. All the speculation, but I, I think the tone has changed and, and and it's coming. And and I I have to admit, somebody you know, for people like us that. That, that go to games and do road trips like um, you know we're going to do the cow trip. Um, uh, you know, if you if you have a UConn 
hell, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to go up to Connecticut. I mean, that'll be a fun. Now, you know, you won't make it every other year, but I mean, if you had never been up there or been in a long time, that'll be a nice road trip the first year they're in. Uh, like you said, if it's Tulane, uh, who's going to turn down a trip to go to Bourbon Street? I'm going to be in on that trip every year. So, I mean, you know, so you got New Orleans, and even if it's Memphis, um, and if you go in Florida, who's going to turn out? A, who's going to turn down a trip to go to Florida in the fall or November or something? So, uh, I mean, at least some of the teams they have from a fan standpoint, it'll be some pretty nice road trips. I mean, if you want to look at people that go to games, it'll be fun to go. Um, now. No disrespect to BYU. I mean, I don't get get really excited about visiting BYU. I'm sorry. They're just, I mean, standing around the coffee, standing around a parking lot drinking decaffeinated um, coffee just doesn't excite me. I'm sorry. You know, no disrespect to all my new, all my 200 BYU followers and listeners. I love them as a football team. I like their sports teams, but uh, you know, traveling uh, up to Provo just don't do a whole lot. You know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Mike. Mike, if they schedule a, uh, if they schedule us in November, you can get some skiing in in Utah. And I will say, I, uh, you know, at the last minute, I actually made that trip uh, a couple of years back, and it was very interesting because, um, you know, they have kind of a visiting parking lot for the for the visiting fans to tailgate and all of that. And you yeah. know, while it's obviously very clear that there are rules that you need to follow there, that maybe uh, go on unguarded at other schools, um, you know, they were pretty uh, understanding that visiting fans are kind of going to do what visiting fans do. And the atmosphere there was basically if you're respectful and don't kind of flaunt it, like don't run around with a handle of Jack Daniels in your hand, uh, put it in a cup and be quiet and, you know, enjoy your time and be respectful, then there was no problem. So I think that part of that, what I assume was a change in kind of attitude towards visiting fans was an understanding that, hey, you know, if we're going to get in a conference, uh, this is going to be a way of life in the future, and, and they've got to kind of find a way to balance their their culture and their uh, rules with, with being a hospitable host for, for future conference mates. So maybe that's what they were thinking when they, when they put that in place. Well, and, and, and you know, the, the year before that, I mean, uh, when they uh, – or the next year when they came to Austin uh, – I mean, we had a ton of BYU fans um, came out to our tailgate, and mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, um, you know, and you get a, you get a. Uh, I always say when you get people's um, traveling fans, the ones that that, that that travel to away games, you probably get some of the best fans of any of any fan base. Um, generally speaking, uh, mm-hmm. man, they were great. I mean, I mean, we had a we had a ton a ton of them at the tailgate, and they, you know. Uh, you know, some of them were, were, were you know, were, were drinking bottled water, but some of them partaked in the refreshments that we had as well. So, um, you know, uh, it was a, it was a great mix, and there was some great football conversation, and it was a lot of fun. So, you know, I say that jokingly with uh, with, with BYU, uh, you know, fan, you know, fans. So, uh, but I think B, I think BYU is definitely being looked at, and I tweeted out the other day I would be okay with adding adding them. I, you know, I pretty much. I guess laid the hammer down. I've pretty much come to grips and accepted that the Big 12 is expanding. It don't matter how much we all scream and whatever, unless something crazy happens in the next couple of weeks and the and the TV deals or something just money drives it the other way, that it's not viable. That they're going to throw in more money to keep it as it is or something. Uh, it's going to happen. So, like I said, our voices mean nothing. So we might as well accept it and 
and, and take a step back and, and, and reevaluate and see what it's like in eight, nine, ten years. Like I say, the whole landscape of, of college football may look different. So, uh, you know, like I said, what if, what if Charlie Strong really gets his things going and Texas gets in the playoffs the next, um, you know, four out, or six of the next eight years and wins two national champions, three, let's say three, really goes on a roll, OU wins one, TCU. So what if, what if the Big 12 has five national championships out of the next nine years or something? You're perceptive, you know, you're, you're going to have a different. You're going to have a different look. I think winning winning solves a lot of this stuff, and obviously the Big Twelve has not won a lot lately because OU has not been good. Even though OU got to the playoffs last year, it wasn't their one of their typical uh, best game uh, best teams. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, look at their recruiting this year. They they are they're coat coming off of it. They're, they've got some really really good uh, recruits this year. Um, that's setting them up for a pretty good run the next few years, as Charlie Strong has. So. Uh, PCU, I think Longus Patterson's there is going to be good. Baylor has done good, and that's how we're going to transition. Is um, we're going to talk about the Baylor fiasco. We're not going to talk about it a lot. I think it's been beat to death. Um, but I, I mean, I have to talk about it because I've been all over it on on, on Twitter. So um, uh, I actually had some people DM me and, and ask me to talk about it. So I mean, I don't know what else can be said. I mean, you know, um, I, I've, I've got I know some people from Baylor. Uh, they are as disgusted as I am. Um, I guess the biggest shock for me for the whole through, through this whole thing, and I mean, you know, it's more and more keeps coming out. We don't know how far the rabbit hole goes. Is is I, I and then we talked about it. I was going to go. I, I wanted to go back and find some old excerpts from Orange Reports where we kind of talked about this topic on on how quick fan bases are to defend, and even Texas fan bases when when Texas does uh, does stupid stuff how quick we are to, to defend our own, but then talk about the wrongs of other fan bases and how we just circle the wagons. And, and, and I, I, you know, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, uh, but I, I just perusing the last several months of, of the message boards. And I know on message boards you're getting the, the fringe fanatical. We've talked about the percentage, you know, broke down the percentages of fan bases from fanatical all the way the person who just shows up at the games in the fall and doesn't even know who the head coach is. Um, I know you're getting a fringe there, but, I mean, even in casual conversations out at a restaurant, I'll see somebody with a Baylor hat and, you know, just kind of string up, you know, a conversation and, and how quick they they think they've been screwed and, and this was all blown out of proportion. And, and then you get to know their background, that they've been a deacon at a church for, for you know, I don't want to turn it into a religious conversation, but, I mean, I'm just shocked of what I've termed now the Bear, the Baylor truthers on how they just don't seem that this was just all isolated and, and that Bryles was done wrong. I mean, I just don't know how much more evidence they need, you know, other than, than Pepper Ham, Hamilton actually putting out a 70- or 80-page document and saying in their document, Bryles was notified on August 4th this girl was sexually assaulted. He called her. And told her not to. I mean, I don't know what else they mean. I don't even know if they had that. So that's number one. I'm gonna make about three points, and then I'll pass it to you, and we'll move on. So the the, the I'm I'm shocked of the of the lack of them being shocked by all this. Uh, the second thing I'm shocked about is how long it went on before it it, it just um, I guess it blew up. I mean, this was not a, something that this has been going on five, six, eight years. And the amount of people that knew, not only within the Baylor program, coaches, assistants, players that 
and I'm not damning all the Baylor players, but other Baylor players that heard the whispers, knew what was going on, that are good kids. Maybe they were just too scared to say something, didn't want to learn, you know, saw what was going on and were scared. There is peer pressure. So uh, I'm shocked that nobody else spoke out sooner and, 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 and contacted the FBI or something because this thing has gotten so big to me. It looks like a mass cover-up and, 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 and mass thing. And, I, and that, the latest is the, the one of the district attorneys is looking in to see if some criminal stuff. So that's my second outrage, I guess, is, is nobody spoke out. And the amount of victims that were just threatened, you know, I guess it's hard to understand that uh, unless you're, you know, in that situation. I'm not talking about the victims. I'm talking about just people that, the people in the media that were probably having their sources tell them that were scared to break the story because they didn't want to lose access to Bryles, the football team. I mean, lots of people have known this. These whispers have been going around the last three or four years. So that's the second thing. And then, and then the third thing is, is, I don't think we're ever really going to know how bad it was. I mean, it's pretty damn bad now. I mean, of what of what we, you know, even what was released from the Pepper Handle Tour, the latest thing, uh, you know, uh, 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 of the, 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 I guess the, the Baylor University code of conduct, basically threatening the, some of the victims and not tell. Uh, I mean, it, it's just the whole thing. Has 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 um, has just completely flabbergasted me, and, and I'm gonna tell you, I, I man, I, you I, you follow me on Twitter. I've I've been all over it, and people say, well, you're just doing it because you're a Texas fan. And I, I wasn't gonna even gonna have this discussion, uh, but I said, you know what? I really don't I really don't give a rat's ass what people think my motive is. Uh, but you know, some you know people may not know this, but in my full time job, uh, I work with inner city youth. And, and some of my main population that I work with are, are girls between the ages of about 11 and 15. That's about 80% of, of my um, of my population, and 100% of that eight, uh, of those girls uh, that I service and, 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 and that I work with and come to me into my program uh, have all been sexually abused and raped. And, and you know, it usually takes them a month, sometimes a whole year for them to really open up and, and, and tell me their story. But when you've heard hundreds and hundreds of these stories uh, of what these girls have gone through, uh, and, 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 and their stories are very similar uh, to the victims of, 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 of these college girls at Baylor. You know, they were threatened not to talk. They were, you know, and how they just felt so ostracized and, 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 and everything. So, I mean, it touches me personally. People can question my motives. I, I really don't care. I, I'm a big boy. You can come at me any way you want. I, I had my name posted on, on Baylor message boards. They said they were going to do a background check and all this. I, I told them. I even went up, logged on one of them and said, come get me, big boys. I'm, I'm right here. Guess what? They never found nothing because they ain't. I don't have a criminal record. You know, I got, I, my credit score is 800. So, you know, all this, all this, you know, all this stuff. But it was just funny how – I was shocked that football fans could get so so caught up in protecting football over human over over fellow human beings, girls that were raped and and just threatened. I, I, it just shocked me, Matt. And, and maybe I shouldn't have been shocked. Maybe it's just what I should say. And people said, "Well, you know, Texas has had a rape problem." Absolutely, there are co-eds. Research has shown that. And, and this is this is the last point, and I'm moving on. Absolutely, the University of Texas, for, for, for students 
has had a rape problem. But where we can separate this is there has not been a massive where we've had eight, nine, ten gang rapes and football players and then people in administration knowing about it and not doing about it. I'm not going to sit here today and tell you that next week the news may break that four University of Texas football players may have raped a girl last week. The difference is this is how you judge it for me. You can't never control another adult's behavior. Five or six UT football players could do something stupid tomorrow. The key is once the right people find out they did the stupid, Charlie Strong, Mike Perrine, Finvis, how they react to the situation is how you judge it. Do they do what Baylor did and do nothing, or do they suspend them, kick them out of school? I mean, we've got the scenario of the two young men a couple of years ago who both went to trial and got acquitted were found not guilty. So, it, it, in effect, you know, they kind of got screwed. But you can tell the difference. UT Strong took immediate action. They were off the team, the university. They were out, and they eventually got found not guilty. We had players at Baylor that stayed on the team, were playing, and eventually some of them got, got convicted, and there's going to be more convictions. So I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not going to be here. If I found out that the University of Texas, had, had a, a girl got raped by an athlete, and he and that girl notified, and the same thing went up, I can assure you I would blow Twitter up. I would be emailing the, the Board of Regents. I would email the coaches, and I would be caught in a strong news. Even if there was a hint of it that he knew like Browns, I would be leading the charge on Twitter for him to get fired. So um, the situations are different. Yeah, there's rapes at every university. The key is you can't control a mass murder. You can't control Islamic terrorists. The key is how you react to it once people know the information. That's how, that's how you truly judge it to me. And obviously, Baylor didn't handle it well, and anybody that thinks they did is a damn fool. Matt, your thoughts on Baylor? Yeah, well... You know, um, I'll make this comment, and I, I'll need to explain it. But I, I'm, actually, I'm actually starting to wonder if uh, if the football program wasn't, in a certain sense, the scapegoat, just because the problem seems to run all the way to the top of the university. Because now that you know, some of these stories are about uh, rape victims that have nothing to do with football. Just rape, you know, one regular student doing something to another one, and then those uh, girls facing that same kind of uh, you know, tacit threat of uh, honor code violation or being kicked out of school or that kind of stuff. So, you know, it makes you wonder. I My thing is, you know, I think that as Americans, uh, regardless of the institution, and I think it's part of our, the lifeblood of this country that we should always question and challenge the institutions that uh, lead us, whether that's city government or, or federal government or our universities or anybody else in a, in a, in a position of authority. We should hold them to high standards and we should question them. And it feels like in Baylor's case, definitely uh, there's a, there's a, an atmosphere of a institution whose number one priority is protecting its own institution, which that's complete madness. I mean, the reason for universities is to mold people and to put them in a path for a better life. And the second the institutions start making decisions to, in an attempt to protect themselves and to protect their own jobs and to protect their, you know, they're standing in the community by lying and covering things up. Uh, I mean, anybody should be outraged. If you're, you know, if it happens in Austin, then Texas alums should be at the forefront of, of the outrage. And I, I'm with you that I think, you know, some of these idiots that get on uh, in, in Twitter and message boards and want to 
talk truth or crap and blame everybody but themselves. I mean, number one, they're putting their head in the sand and they're, they're forgetting the actual issue. Uh, and number two, I mean, you know, they should be up, up front demanding better. Uh, we should all demand better. I'm with you. If something similar to this happened to Texas, then uh, there would be complete outrage from my side. And I remember when we talked about the Penn State thing, I said if that had happened at the University of Texas, you would never see me wearing burnt orange again for the, met for the rest of my life because that was such an uh, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable, uh, you know, abuse of authority to cover up something so terrible. And, you know, Baylor's got to watch out because as this mushroom cloud keeps expanding, it's seeming more and more like that kind of situation where the entire university is kind of complicit in, you know, covering up uh, what's actually happening and, and refusing to expose, you know, the dirty secrets. And to me, my thing is, you know, you expose the flaws of your institution in an attempt to make it better. I mean, you need to be out in the forefront. Hey, we're Baylor. We have a problem with off-campus assaults at parties. Make that public. Get it in the public eye and make people work to be better. Uh, I'm suspicious of any institution that doesn't focus on improving and acknowledging when they made big, when there's been, like you said, things you can't control. You're not going to be able to control however many, what do they have, 20,000 kids in Waco. Things are going to happen. It's how you address it that says what kind of institution you are. Well, I, I agree wholeheartedly, and like I said, um, it, it's going to shape out. Um, I don't think all the, the 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 dirt is on the surface yet. Um, there's going to be more, um, um, you know, and you know, I'm you know, Baylor will recover. It's going to take a while. They're going to hire them a, another coach, and you know, um, you know, I, I, I hope they get the right administrators in there, and they get all of that stuff handled. And, uh, you know, I don't wish ill will on, on Baylor University. I, I really don't. I mean, I have friends that went to Baylor. Baylor's a fine uh, institution, uh, and, that, and that's what people forget. Baylor, uh, you know, has a football team, but they're still a, a university that, 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 you know, is supposed to be, you know, standing on some, you know, some higher order uh, values. Um, so, you know, I hope that they get the right people in there and, and get back to some of that. And then, you know, I'm even going to say this. I hope that, you know, if they're going to remain in the, the Big 12 and if we're going to remain in the Big 12, I have no issue with Baylor being, you know, being good. I don't I don't want Baylor to be 2-10. Uh, you know, I, I don't have any ill will against Baylor University, per se, or some of their, um, some, some of their good alumni. Now, some of their football fans, I, I really don't give a rat's ass about a lot of them right now. But, you know, the fine folks, they may know the ones I'm, I'm talking about. I can separate the two. So uh, we'll, we'll move on to that uh, because I'm sure it's going to be a continued um, thing in the news. And some of you new listeners, you're probably saying, okay, when are, when are we going to talk Longhorn sports? Well, tonight's unique. It's August 3rd. We've got a long time to, um, to football camp, and we haven't been on the air uh, since way back in the spring. So uh, I felt like some of these big headline items, expansion, Baylor, um, those things needed to be addressed tonight. And then as we get in, in the next few weeks, we'll start having guests on, breaking down the Longhorns, um, you know, game by game, talking about a death chart, um, some of those things. We've got, some, you know, some good guests coming on. And obviously we'll have somebody on from Notre Dame to break down the Notre Dame game. So those good things are coming. Uh, but uh, I just felt like some of these big items, just we just had to talk about them. Uh, instead of you know washing them under the under the rug as they say, so um, you know we will talk a little bit about fall camp. Practice starts Friday, so it's officially 
football season. And um, as we found out today, Matt, um, a receiver um, they were expecting um, to, you know, fight for a position, uh, may not start, but was going to definitely be a contributor on special teams and, and, and probably would have seen him on quite a few offensive series. Um, so, um, you know, we're not going to be doing any finessing uh, this year, it sounds like. So DeAndre McNeil um, suspended indefinitely um, from the University of Texas uh, football team by head coach Charlie Strong today. No more details um, given. Um, I have been given a few details, but um, I am not a newsbreaker, and I would sure hate to be wrong and, and, and put out a false something on a on a kid. I, I'm sure we'll all find out in, in due time. Uh, a lot of people have speculated um, that it was maybe a, a potential um, second, first, second, or third attempt failed drug test. Uh, I have it on good authority. That was probably not it. So we could probably rule that out, but you never can tell. Uh, but the thing that, that, that's probably the most um, biggest concerning thing of his future at this point is a lot of times you can be suspended, suspended indefinitely. Uh, you remain on campus. You're in your room. Uh, you're probably going to meet with the coaches and see where it goes. But I guess the latest reports in the last hours or so that he has been sent home, so home means uh, back to uh, East Texas, so back home with mom and daddy. Practice starts Friday. That's probably not a good sign. I know, uh, you know, um, DJ Johnson last year, a couple times year before, was suspended indefinitely. Met with parents, worked his way back. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's a wrap or a done deal yet for um, DeAndre McNeil. Uh, but being sent home, that tells me that parents and him are going to have to drive back to Austin. Uh, unless a decision already has been made and we don't know that yet, sit down with coaches and, and see where this goes. Um, it very well could go, this may not be the place for you and, and it's time to uh, transfer. Uh, kind of what happened with the wide receiver, Ryan Newsom, uh, the, uh, the other day. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know those details, so we'll talk about that as well. But apparently, uh, according to several media outlets, Orange Blood, several others, I like to give credit um, – when credit is due, um, but basically the story there, for those that didn't hurt, I guess him and, and one of the weightlifting coaches got into some type of uh, disagreement. Uh, I guess Newsom felt that he had been wrong, got upset, parents got involved, Coach Strong met with everybody, and I guess it was decided at that point that it was probably best for um, Ryan Newsom to move on. Don't know if that story's true. That's what reported. I'm sure it had a combination of us signing the Baylor wide receiver, Colin Johnson coming in. I'm sure it had to do with playing time, frustration. Maybe he did get – there was an altercation with a coach. So it probably isn't one of those deals where it's one single item. It was probably three, four, five things that built up. And you know what that happens? doesn't make Ryan Newsom a bad kitty. Uh, I guess he's going to go to Arizona State. I hope he has a great career. I hope he goes out there after he um, sits out of here and catches 90 passes. Um, you know, you know, people think sometimes, you know – when somebody transfers, I'm not blaming the I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming the coaches. Sometimes things just don't work. I mean, I mean, I, I know people that have, have left jobs and went to another job and worked there two weeks and realized, good God, I made a bad decision. I've committed to the wrong company, and they leave and go on and have great success. Sometimes things just don't work. That's life in the in, in the real world. It's life in college football. So uh, that doesn't mean strong's wrong. Doesn't mean new. So just Sometimes things just don't work out. So, I, you know, wish the kid nothing but luck. But 
So I'm sure it was a combination of things. So there's, there's a few fall updates where uh, two wide receivers, um, uh, one gone for sure, one probably looking very likely to be gone. And and the way it looks now, Matt, um, talking about the numbers, we've got about 12 seniors. I didn't look at the exact number. I'm throwing a dart, but I feel pretty confident. I think we got 12, 13 seniors uh, on, on the on the squad, which when you look at it is wow. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you're not supposed to have a a team starting a season with 12 seniors. And here's a different number to you. I did look at this the other day. Probably only going to have about three or four of those um, seniors actually contribute really at all this year. Probably two to three are going to really contribute. That just tells you how young we are. But that's a whole different big discussion we're going to talk about in the future of depth chart and everything. So we've got 12 seniors. We've lost um, two more. Um, We lost uh, uh, Whitley. And I guess Ty Templeton, the medical red shirts, that's 14 um, spots gone. Now Ryan Newsom gone, that's 15. Uh, let's say McNeil's gone, 16. Uh, probably for us to get to a, a 2021 signing class, we're probably going to – so just prepare yourself. There's probably going to be at least one or two more gone probably in the next three, four, five weeks. It's probably inevitable right before fall camp. And I can assure you once November, December, once the season's over – we're going to have at least three to five more. That's normal attrition, so we can have a 2021-22 signing class. I mean, that's just normal. Every team has it. A guy's buried on the depth chart. He's a sophomore. He's got three years to play. He's going to leave and go try to play somewhere else. And I think we're going to lose at least one or two receivers, probably one or two offensive linemen. And don't even start DMing me and asking me who I think that is because I think that's disrespectful for any kid until they – formally and make that announcement. I mean, but if you look at the depth chart that's going to come out in a few weeks, look at the classifications, go look at the roster on TexasSports.com, it damn sure doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who's probably not going to be playing in the Longhorns on, on 2017. I mean, it, it's just it, it's just it's part of college football. Um, but, you know, DeAndre McNeil, uh, I think, had the potential to be a, a really, really good player. So I'm, I'm just hoping um, that that whatever it is, it's something that can be um, potentially resolved. But when you're sent home, I mean, and you're supposed to be getting ready to start the fall semester in a couple weeks, and you got summer school just finishing up, and you start practice Friday, that's just not a good look, is it, Matt? No, uh, that's like like you said. That that shows that this is a different level of uh, of seriousness when it's uh, you know going home. Um, you know, don't know anything about what it is, but yeah, if it was just uh, temporary suspension or the you know the same thing every school says, uh, violation of team rules, end of story, but they're on campus, then it's probably something you can work out, or it's you know he's in the doghouse. Um, but it seems like it's more than that. So hopefully, regardless of what it is, hopefully it's not too serious that he can't uh, either turn it around in Austin or turn it around somewhere else. Yeah. Man, um, there's really, I mean, it's August. Everybody that's a Longhorn fan should know, um, you know, recruiting. Um, you've had to take a step back and, and, and learn a different way to recruiting. Um, Strong is just not looking um, looking for commits in, 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 in August. Um, I mean, there's probably right now, I, I don't know the exact number, but I, I bet I could hit it within one or two. We've probably got 40 offers out for class of 2016. It may even be a little more than that. There's probably not right now, Matt, five, six, maybe seven kids that could pick up the phone and call strong and commit today. 
I mean, that's your big-time prospect. That's Walker. That's the Walker Littles of the world. Um, Browning, Hines, uh, J.K. Dobbins, who's committed to Ohio State if he wanted to flip. Uh, you know, probably Netherly, um, who's committed to LSU if he wanted to flip, you know, for some reason. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just throwing out kids that Strong would accept. You know, if Omar Manning, um, who's not committed, wanted to call and commit, um, he could probably commit right now. You know, there, there's a handful of others. That's just not the way Strong does it. So, there, I mean, there's no sense in even, you know, I could list, you know, 50 kids and, and whatever. And, and we're going to do, you know, I, I'm going to go more in depth and look at it and start, you know, giving some speculations as we get in, as I've done the previous years. And actually, I went back and listened to some old shows on my recruiting predictions. I'm going to – I nailed it pretty good, actually, the last three or four years, who, who, who I thought we – I was actually shocked how well I did. So, um I was I was pretty you know patting myself on the back. So you start to get a a, a good idea, and, and and I'll just tell people what I look at, and and I think you can start to get a very good idea. Uh, where are kids visiting? Uh, where are they spending their time? I mean, you know, words on Twitter. In other words, words are great, but let's talk about action. Whose games are they attending? Uh, what recruits they're hanging out with? And and then also I talk, you know, I got a lot of friends in in, in the high school coaching ranks and. And you know, and you know, you start seeing who kids are, are are hanging out with at the camps and who they're packing up with. You start to get a a, a pretty good idea. Now, is that the all tell intel of it? Oh, absolutely not. But you start to get a a pretty good feel where where people are leaning and 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 what things are are, are going on. So, but like I say, strong strong ain't filling up a class in in on August third with seventeen eighteen kids. I mean, we're you know he's going to be. We'll probably pick up a commit or two. Right between now and, and the Notre Dame game, maybe one. We'll probably pick up one or two by the fourth or fifth game. And then right at the season end, and then Strong will start his big push November to January. I mean, that's just the way he's building relationships right now. He's building with the kids, the parents, uh, you know, and getting that. And hit right now, Strong's focus is 100% on the season. Is he still getting in contact with recruits and and all of that, yes. He just takes a different approach. I mean, I don't know if it's the wrong or right way, uh, but all I know is he's, you know, pretty much turned in two top ten classes, um, you know, basically the last couple of years and has basically turned this roster. Uh, and, I mean, and, and I've been willing to guess the last two classes, I think we've got about eight or nine uh, NFL players. So, um, you know, uh, I think I, I think I think Strong's got it figured out. Um you know, and the biggest thing that's going to help him is obviously winning. I mean, he pulls in nine or ten wins this year. Uh, I mean, they're going to be beaten down the door, in, you know, in, in January and February to to, to commit. So, um, you know, he's got his players um, ranked. And, and why? Do, and so people always ask, well, why why do you offer a kid who can't commit on the spot? Well, it's it, this is the key. Most of the coaches, they have their intel, too. They, 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 they talk to high school coaches. They talk to their current commits, players. They, they get an idea on how ready a person is to commit. And if a player is second or third on their board or really high on the Longhorns and they're not ready, they're not going to offer that player. They'll, they'll hold off and they'll slow play them and tell them they're evaluating, knowing they can throw an, an offer out in November or December January and probably and probably get that kid if they go all in on them if they you know full court press if they know it's a kid that maybe go could could go either way 
you know, the, the conversation goes like this. Hey, you know, uh, um, Johnny, uh, man, we really like what you're doing. Um, you know, we, 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 we think you'd be an asset to the University of Texas. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and extend a scholarship offer to you. Uh, but as you know, you know, we've been here for, you know, a couple years. You looked at us at Louisville. Uh, we've only got five commits right now. Um, um, you know, I just don't like Phyllis. And I, and I don't know if it's true. I'm, I'm speculating. Let me give you – I'm giving my opinion on how I think the conversation goes. But, again, I think I'm right on. You know, we're, we're evaluating you. We think you're a good player. Uh, I, I, I don't – well, I don't want you to commit to me today, and then I have to sweat if you're going to decommit in January or February. So this is what I'm going to encourage you to do and, and, and with the parents sitting there. I want you to take your parents. I'll, who are your other four top schools, son? Oklahoma, uh, Alabama. Then, okay, I encourage you to go visit them um, because when you sit down and look me in the eye and we shake hands that you're committed to the University of Texas and, and Coach Strong, I want you to be committed because that's important for me and my, and my team. And I think so. He encourages them to go look. So what happens there is when a kid does go and look, he gets a little interest in those deals. So it keeps them from committing to anybody. So you throw out the offer because it makes the kid feel good. He got the offer from you, but then you kind of you, you you word it, manipulate it where he ain't gonna jump on it. Now the ones you want, the little Walker Little can pick up the phone tomorrow and you're gonna take them. Yeah, the the, the top guys on your board, and you may have four guys you've got rated just about even but you want this one or two players. Or you can have the conversation, hey, we've looked at your transcript. Um, we're going to go ahead and give you the offer today because we know you're going to work hard to handle your business this year in school, but we need to really evaluate your fall and spring semester before you commit to us. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're going to go ahead and offer you today because we want you, but we can't have you commit and tie up a spot just in case you don't handle your business. But looking, knowing after I met your parents here, i got a feeling they're going to help you take care of your business. Do you understand me, son? Yes, sir, Coach. So I know how those conversations go, uh, and, and I know that because I've talked to some parents whose kids have been recruited, um, some of it, some of it I'm speculating. I've talked to some high school coaches that have sat in. So that's how these conversations go. So that's why you offer a kid. Uh, you know, you get a level of their interest. Uh, or, and also, too, what Coach Strong does that's proven too, Matt, is he evaluates all year. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to offer a kid a sophomore or junior, and then they've reached their peak. Uh, and, and, and then he don't feel like they maybe had upside, so he may, doesn't want them to commit. But he also, for the late, he saves two or three, four slots every year for these late bloomers, kids that blow up at the last minute who all of a sudden really matured and put on weight or, or really had a coming out season, and then he'll jump on them. So it's, it's a different way of recruiting. Uh, he did it at Florida when he was the defense coordinator today. He did it at Louisville. He's our coach now. So Longhorn fans just better not – don't be sitting on your computer pulling up computer rankings uh, anymore in August, September, October, November, because if you are, you're going to be disappointed. I would tell you to look them up about February 17th of next year, and then you can evaluate the coach, because that's what I've had to do as well. And I think you, I've had to take a, a, a reapproach. But now that I've – like I said, I've talked to some people, gotten a little intel, kind of thrown in my opinion there. I got an idea of what's going on. So I don't know if you have any take on that. Um, agree, disagree on it. You can go ahead and throw that out there before we close it out tonight. Well, I think the big thing is the uh, constantly evaluating. And um, even though we haven't been in a position, like you said, where we've got everybody kicking down our door like we would back during the uh, Vince Young, Colt McCoy years, I think Charlie does that and he's finding the right guys. And I think that's why you know, people were so unsettled with some of these uh, three stars that he would offer, and, and they were like, what is this guy doing? Um, but I think that 
I think there's a method to the madness for sure. And, you know, I'm all aboard with it because you want guys that are a fit. I mean, in theory, yeah, you could take the top 25 recruits on the national top 100 every year and have a pretty dang good football team, but you might not have the right guys. And the points you've made, you know, back early preseasons a couple of years before is, you know, Charlie wants guys that love ball. And you can be a guy that uh, grow, you matured uh, physically early and is dominating high school level competition, but you know it comes too easy. And once it, once you get uh, in higher Division One big time college football, uh, then they got to go to work. And I don't think you can teach people necessarily to go to work like that. So I think he looks for guys that bust their ass. Whether they're a five star or three star, they got to have the ability and they got to work hard. And I think we're starting to see that. It's been, you know, a painful process, but uh, I love the guys that came in on defense last year. The young guys, uh, they were physical. They had an attitude. Uh, they made mistakes, but they didn't get down, and uh, they worked really hard. So I, I'm all aboard with it. And uh, hey, it doesn't matter how many commits you have in August. All <laughs> that matters is how many send in their letter, the letter of intent uh, in February. Yeah, I'm glad you revisited that point. I mean, after you go back to his first press conference, we, we've played it several times on here. He, what, what's the number one thing you look for um, in a player, you know, other than character and those things? And he said it very clear. I want a player that loves to ball. And, and, and he laid it out clear because he said college football now is a grind. It's a 52-week-a-year deal. You know, all summer, everybody else has been off enjoying the summer. Uh, our football team's been there taking, uh, you know, full college courses at the University of Texas, which we know are not easy, uh, in, a, in a summer class, and uh, working out being full-time football players. Um, you know, uh, you know, so it's a, they, they work out year-round. They do everything year-round for 13, um, you know, Saturday slash uh, this year, Sunday, one Sunday um, a year so. If you've got to love it because it will grind on your mind. It will grind on your body. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. And if you don't absolutely love putting that helmet and pads on and going out at 102-degree heat and hitting somebody at full speed, eventually it's just not going to be fun anymore. So, um, and, and you know what? And like you said, he's got some guys like that. And I'm going to mention one guy who, a prime example, you can't always go by how they act during recruiting but they love ball, and that's a young defensive tackle we're going to get to know very well this year. His name is uh, Mr. Elliott, um, the kid who uh, committed to every school in the United States. Everybody thought he was fickle and this and that. Well, you know, 18 years old, you walk into – and, you know, let's just be real. Some of these coaches' personalities are pretty damn dynamic. They're, they're motivators. Uh, they can make you feel pretty good. You walk into these big stadiums all over Michigan and, and, and all over – yeah, he committed and he decommitted, and, and, and you know what? He was all over the board because it's a big decision where they're going to spend the next five years of, of their life and move away from home. A lot of them have never uh, been very far from home. So uh, I'm not going to blame the kid. They call him fickle. But you know what? That kid showed up when he hit the 40 acres, uh, 10 or 15 pounds lighter. Pat Moore gave him a workout regimen. Um, he has worked his butt off. They say he has been a beast in the off-season workouts. You know why? Because if you've never watched his games, you ever watch. He loves the ball. He loves the game of football, and it's going to do everything 
in his willpower to be the best he can be, and you're going to see that kid play this year, and everybody's going to forget about his quarterly recruitment. That's why Strong went after him. He wasn't worried about all that because he knew the kid, loved football, has great skills. Um, so you look at Jordan Elliott, that's a prime example uh, of, of the kind of young man. I mean, Malik Jefferson, we can talk about that. But this kid, remember that name, folks. Um, Jordan Elliott is going to be a beast on this football team. And, and then we've got some others coming in um, like that as well. Uh, obviously, the late, the late addition of, of, of Patrick Hudson from Baylor, same way. Uh, kid loves the ball. He's a beast. Works hard. Uh, yeah, you know, he eventually went to Baylor, but, but we got him. But there was a reason we were after him and other people were after that. I mean, I mean, you just go down the roster now and you hear these stories, and that's exactly what Strong finds. I mean, you know, there's, a, there's been some players the last couple of years that have committed to other schools, and people thought, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Texas on them? And, you know, it comes out, well, you know, some of them weren't very interested in us. Some of them were, and we didn't go get them because of exactly what you said. It was easy for them. And when push came to shove and it got a little hard for them, Coach Strong knew that, that they weren't going to be able to, as great an athlete as they were, they weren't going to be able to push through it, as great as their ability was. Um, so, yeah, it's been painful. He's built that roster. But Jordan Elliott is a kid that all the reports of every everybody is sold is that. And so you think, okay, well, he was squirrely. He would never expect that. But he's got the heart of a champion already, and we're going to see big, big things from um, – he's going to be in the rotation uh, for sure this year. So everybody uh, be prepared to, to hear that name a lot this year, uh, Mr. Jordan Elliott on the defensive line. Well, Matt, we're about an hour in. We'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, we'll have a good um, seven, eight days of practice in. Just a reminder for those that want to go, Sunday, August 7th, I think it starts about 9 a.m. They're going to have the big, the big festival um, open practice for media and people to watch. Players will be signing autographs. I'm sure the band will be out there this Sunday. Um, I'm sure they'll have um, Hook'em out there. I doubt they bring Bevo out. They're not supposed to unveil him until, uh, I guess, the uh, Notre Dame game. I guess they're going to have some big production and walk him out. I'm sure that'll be awesome. Can't wait to see that. Um, so it's almost here. We'll be back next Wednesday for sure. Uh, but, Matt, you got any uh, final things you want to say before we get out of here tonight? No, we're in the home stretch. I can uh, I can feel college football in the air. Uh, out of the blue this week, I started getting the text messages and calls from people I haven't talked to for eight months, wanting to know how tailgate's coming together and will we be out there, and the answer is yes, we will. And uh, we'll be here before you know it. Well, we're going to have to make a new rule. If anybody even asks that question, then, then they need to be disbanded because if we're going to be <laughs> yeah. out there, but, yeah. hey, as long, as long as the sun's rising and there's oxygen to, oxygen to breathe, uh, you can assure that I'll be out there. I, it may be with only one chair and one canopy, but by <laughs> God, I'm going to be out at the tailgate. I can assure you that. So, but, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's close. We'll, uh, we'll start talking about the, tail, the Notre Dame tailgate. And I didn't get to it because it's late. I've had a lot of people um, ask me um, after you tweeted out um, they want to hear the door story, uh, the no-key story from um, from Memphis, from the Oxford trip. I'll be sure to throw that little tidbit out next Wednesday. But next Wednesday we'll have some fall camp updates. Uh, we'll talk, get into some, middle, um, some more detail. We'll probably have a guest on. We'll start previewing the Longhorns. And um, I don't know if I'm ready to throw out a win-loss prediction yet this early. Um, I want to start seeing – I want to get into fall camp, start seeing how this depth chart um, 
see how many true freshmen we're going to have start on offense before I make any predictions. Um, but I got a feeling we're going to have one or two. I want to see what, you know, we make some position changes on defense. I want to see what defensive linemen get in the rotation. So there's too many answers uh, or too many questions and not enough answers yet to throw out predictions. Uh, but I will say this. Um, uh, I am going to predict we're going to win more than five damn football games because if we don't, um, uh, we're going to be having a whole different conversation on this Orange Report come November, December, I can assure you. But, no, I think I think the train is slowly getting back on the track. Um, um, I, no, nowhere – Anyhow, anybody should be saying we're back. We hadn't played a football game. Uh, but I think the train is finally headed in the right direction. And I think now uh, we've got enough BBs in the, in, the, in the gun, as they say, that at least we can go out and, and, and compete now. I, I think we've got some depth in every position, and we're going to break all that down. So I, 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 think, I think we're going to lose some games this year that we, and because we're still young be disappointed. But I think we're going to beat some people, and I, I, I'm, I'm feeling confident that we're going to we're going to we're going to feel better in November than we have in some time. Will we feel as good as we've that we have felt in the past in some Novembers? Absolutely not, not this year. Uh, but I think it's coming. So at least you know, and, I, and that's that's what I need. I need to at least see improvement, and, and, and at least know that man, 17, 18, 19 could be some special years, or at least we we're headed that way. So um, good things coming. Thanks to all the new listeners. If y'all have any questions, um, y'all can um, shoot me or Matt. Matt can be found on Twitter at UT Tailgaters, um, at MB Hornspan. If y'all have any questions, we'll try to get them answered next week. I'm actually going to do one show maybe for 30 minutes, open up the phone lines to the listeners and allow a little call in, let everybody make, have their take and their prediction on the season. And I'm sure we'll get some, um, some Aggie trolls um, calling in like we always do. That's always fun. But, you know, instead of calling the Orange Report Aggies, maybe y'all should all be sitting at home working on your PowerPoint for your next Chalk Talk. So y'all work on that next year. So with that said, we'll see you next Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Always remember, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns. We'll see you next week. My music is not, um, is not working to lead us out with a song, so I'm going to end it here. But next week I'll have all the music back uploaded, and we'll take you out with a good song. We'll see you all next week. Hook them. <laughs>